This is The Disaster, a podcast about disasters and the music they make us listen to. I'm Peter, and I am frustratingly still not here with Lee. Hi, I'm Lee, and I am still forlorn because I am not here with Peter. It's... it's sad. (laughs) (laughs) Although... So to be fair, so we, we've been playing a lot of video games together lately, and yep. I've just been playing like more and more online games in general during this, and I feel like I've actually, quote unquote, hung out with my friends a lot more during this isolation than before. <laughs> in a way, Just because yeah. before, there's so much, if you want to hang out, you've got to be like, okay, when are you free? Do I have the car? How do I get there? Right. Whereas now it's just like, hey, I got half an hour. You want to log on and just like hang out? Yeah. There's like no travel time. Exactly. <laughs> and if you have a set like, you know, Thursdays, 830, yeah. that's the night. Yeah. Everyone shows yeah. up, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. It's probably more often than it happens naturally. Oh, totally. I'm, ho- I'm hoping to keep that up. I mean, Thursday nights, do people do stuff on Thursdays? I don't know. Anyway, eh, maybe. that's in the future. It's like the, Thursday's like the first Friday of the week for some people. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Today, you're joining us for Tragedy Tuesday, brought to you by one Lee. And in fact, it's the Lee that I'm talking to right now. Ah. Just before we get there, just a little bit of housekeeping like I always do. If you want to help us out, the best thing you can do is to tell a friend to listen to this podcast or just another human. doesn't have to be a friend. Just tell a human being to listen. Anyone with a pulse. Barrier of entry is ears and a pulse. (laughs) (laughs) the next best thing you can do if you're not already subscribe and leave a review or a rating wherever you listen that is super helpful to help us get noticed and have more people join in on the disaster that's awesome if you want to keep up with us on social medias at this disaster pod on twitter instagram and facebook on our website www.thisdisasterpod.com and our patreon.com slash this disaster pod where if you become a patron you get access to our micro disasters which are now live we've done uh, three now it's every second saturday and we got we got plenty Plenty more coming, and those are going to keep on going. So if, if you want to hear those, become a patron. Micromanagement. No, I don't no, know. it's micro <laughs> micro disaster. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you 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 figured out you figured out the word patron. Now we got to work on micro disaster. <laughs> micro disasters. Micro There's machine. a lot to remember. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. I try to make them catchy. I don't know. <laughs> and I think that's pretty much it for today. Maybe we'll just uh, maybe we'll just launch into the disaster. Are you ready to launch? Yeah. Let's launch. Let's launch. Let's do Um, it. All right. Here we go. So uh, it's in response to an always appreciated uh, listener suggestion. Uh, This one came care of Jennifer M. Oh, okay. Regarding a certain concert by The Who. Who? That did not... uh, (laughs) I knew that was coming. (laughs) The what? Um, (laughs) And it didn't go so well. Oh, really? So rather than try to stretch that topic into half an hour, I mm. will instead today bring you not one, but four events oh. that did, in fact, not go well at all. Four for the price of one. Exactly. So here we go. Let's get grim. Let's get into it. Part one, The Who in Cincinnati. Mm. For British rock band The Who. Who? <laughs> Every time. 1979 would mark their first world tour since the death of their original drummer, Keith Moon. Okay. Uh, the United States leg of the tour, supporting their 1978 album, Who Are You?, consisted mm-hmm. of a first leg involving shows in New York and New Jersey, and a second leg starting in November after the band took a few weeks off. Are they responsible for the song, Who Are You? They are. That's a song by The Who called Who Are You from the album Who Are You? <laughs> not 
as some people may have misheard it for years, New Orleans. Is that a thing? I don't know. I don't know if it's a thing or if it's just me. <laughs> but like, <laughs> I think I think they used it as a theme song for like one of the NCIS shows or something. Oh, right. So yeah, of, yeah, you're right. You're right. Instead of Who Are You? I always heard New Orleans. New Orleans. New, new, <laughs> new. <laughs> Man, New Orleans tourism yeah. just got a gift <sighs> a package from one Peter. <clears throat> All right. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, no one else in the world ever. Nobody? Just me? Cool. Cool, cool, <laughs> yeah, cool, yeah. cool, cool, cool. But that's good. That makes yeah. you, you. You, 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 you. You, you. Oh, God. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> so, uh, December 3rd, it's the third show of the second leg of the tour. Mm-hmm. That was to take place at the Riverfront Coliseum in Cincinnati, Ohio. Which we heard about in our last Tragedy Tuesday. That's right. So Ohio's got some yep. bad stuff happening. Yeah. And uh, stay tuned. There's going to be more okay. in Ohio. <laughs> uh, so the show is completely sold out. 18,348 tickets sold. Mm-hmm. Uh, over 14,000 of these being general admission tickets. That means okay. there's no assigned seating. You just stand on the floor of the arena, oh boy. like where the where the where the ice would normally be, or the yeah, right, yeah, the players, you know, the the panic zone, as I call it, the panic zone. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, where the moshing takes place, the panic. Yeah, yeah, I sit um, in chairs when I go see a concert. Oh, at all opportunities now, yeah, yeah. yeah. chairs good. Nope. Was it was a time where I might throw myself into the fray, but now oh, yeah. if I can I get in there. If I can sit. Apparently there's a saying in the armed forces, maybe it's marine specific or something. I can't remember. Mm. Maybe mm. somebody'll correct us. I have gotten a lot of mileage out of it since being a parent, which is never stand when you can lean, never lean when you can sit, never sit when you can lie down, never lie down when you can sleep. <laughs> so I feel like after being on on your legs all the time, running around. Yeah. If I see yeah. a chair, I'm sitting in it. <laughs> Absolutely. So this concert. <laughs> so the the general mission was, it was a relatively new concept at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also known as festival seating. Oh, okay. Which is self-explanatory. So yeah. <clears throat> people had started gathering outside the venue a few hours before the show was set to start. Mm-hmm. The doors for general admission ticket holders originally meant to be open at 3 p.m. Uh, so by 7 p.m., Approximately 7,000 had shown up and all the doors remained unopened, save for one pair at the far right of the main entrance. Oh, boy. Yeah. So, as you can imagine, this, the crowd's becoming a little agitated. Yeah. Around 7.15, one of two possible things took place. Okay. According to some, the WHO undertook a very late sound check, mm-hmm. while others contend that the WHO's Quadrophenia movie... It's like a rock and roll movie. Okay. Yeah. Was played in lieu of an opening band. Okay. Regardless. How is there? Yeah. Do people not, did both of those things happen? And they're not it's sure which like one was the cause or? N- no, it's one or the other. Okay. No one really knows for sure. Okay. The, the, the point being that it was mistaken for the who taking a stage. Oh, I should have let you finish. No, well, you know, <laughs> you can do, well, you can do that again if you want. <laughs> no, it's fine. Okay. It's just a, it's just the, the flow of a conversation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, that's the thing. Like some noise was happening and people are like, the show's starting. Right. So as a result, the crowd surged forward and pushed toward the only two doors that have been open for oh, 7,000 plus people. Yeah. Uh, unsurprisingly, many in the crowd ended up getting trampled. 
with 26 oh. suffering serious injuries and 11 dying of asphyxiation. Jesus. Yeah. Nightmare. I know. It might be a stretch to make an analogy to a plague, but that sounds a little bit like Plague of Athens. <laughs> yeah. Well, just well we the, made that the, analogy actually the in the episode. Yeah, the numbers and the crowding. We talked about in the mm. very first episode that we did, the analogy between how crowded Athens was and a music festival or something yeah, exactly. like this. Just, just being crushed. sardined. Jeez. Yeah, so despite all that, the concert went on as planned, and the band were not told about it until afterward. Oof. The following show in Buffalo, New York, singer Roger Daltrey told the crowd, We lost a lot of family last night. This show's for them. The I mean, aftermath <sighs> of the events saw Providence, Rhode Island Mayor Vincent Chiancy mm-hmm. cancel the Who's appearance at the city's Civic Center that same month, despite the fact that at that particular show there was seating. Right. However, the Who would return 33 years later and honor tickets from that 1979 show. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's kind of interesting. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. Families of the victims sued the band, the concert promoter, and the city. Uh, by 1983, each family was awarded a settlement of 150 grand each. Wow. And popular sitcom of the time, WKRP in Cincinnati. I know that show. Yeah, remember? Johnny Fever. Yeah. And, yeah. So they, yeah. they had a very special episode, mm-hmm. which was sort of a sitcom thing about, right. you know, when they were getting serious. Yeah. Uh, after the tragedy, which involved certain characters' reactions the following day after having attended the concert and having promoted it on the station. Right. Yeah. The decision to not tell the band for the quality of the show, I get it, but that's, that's like, I mean, you kind of risk them not playing. Yeah. And then you've got this crowd of people who are already like, yeah. you know, riled up and to come yeah. out and say, yeah. Hey, the show's canceled. Yeah. I see it as kind of a strategic move, but on the other hand, it is pretty weird and almost ghoulish. That's interesting. We've seen, we've seen that before too, in uh, the <clears throat> Le Mans episode that I did. Remember oh, yeah. the Tragedy Tuesday? Oh, yeah. They kept it going. The, yeah, like there was that massive, devastating, crowd-decapitating crash. Yes. And the race went on for at least yes. a bit. Yeah, yeah. But exactly for the reasons that you said. It was a situation where if they like canceled it and then tried to get everyone out again, there'd be huh. even more chaos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Huh. So, yeah, Interesting. It's, it's, it's a weird move, but it, it might have been the right move. I don't know. Weird on the surface, I think, but... Yeah. Such a tough call. A lot of, lot of factors, a lot of variables. Yeah. Part two. Okay. The worst disaster in British sporting history. All right, then. Okay. April 15th, 1989. Yeah. Liverpool was set to square off against Nottingham Forest in an FA Cup semifinal match. Okay. The game was to take place at Hillsborough Stadium in Sheffield, South Yorkshire. Oh, okay. Common practice at domestic matches in England was to segregate the opposing fans as much as possible. I have no idea why. <laughs> <laughs> I have, hey, opportunity to bring up Steve. Steve. Steve hasn't been on the podcast for about a year. <laughs> you remember my, 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 I guess my brother-in-law, All right, Steve. Steve, yeah. the, the Iron Man. I made a promise that he would show up in every episode about a year ago, and I immediately gave up. And he hasn't <laughs> showed up since. Yeah, I forgot about But he, he actually, he is super into soccer. Oh, okay. He's told me a little bit about how deep these kinds of lines run between rival he, fans. Right. And he lives in the yeah. UK, right? He does. Yeah. Okay. So I guess they can be a little sp- Spirited? Yeah, I don't know if Steve himself has ever like gotten into a fight 
at a match, uh-huh. but uh, I know that that kind of thing happens. Also, from uh, I'm from reading books mm. by Irvin Welsh, mm-hmm. I know that going out and getting into a fight at a soccer game is just a thing that you do. Okay, I'm reading Train Spotting right now. Oh, have you read it before? No, I never have. So good. Yeah, I love it. It's funny. I really love how you can tell whose chapter it is eventually by the dialect. Yeah. And how it's written. <laughs> so good. So good. It's great. I mean, I have to read it in an accent or it's it's too hard. Yep. So yep. I'm just like yep. sitting on the toilet or, well, it's usually on the toilet. I cannot do it. Yeah. You, you hear it in your head, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I've seen the movie so much. So it's, 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 yeah. it's, I know how it goes, but yeah, the book is obviously a lot more expansive. I haven't felt that good since Archie Gamble scored the winning goal. <laughs> yeah. <and laughs> That's so funny. All right. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> Resume. Nottingham Forest supporters were allocated the south stands on the east end with a combined capacity of 29,800, mm-hmm. reached by 60 turnstiles spaced along two sides of the ground. Okay. Liverpool supporters were allocated the north and west ends, holding 24,256 fans, okay. reached by 23 turnstiles from a narrow concourse. Okay. Liverpool had more supporters, but Nottingham received the larger area to avoid approach routes of rival fans crossing. Oh, God. They really don't want these people across. <laughs> no. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> like a fight is not only inevitable, it's ex- I think it's just expected and sort of yeah. common practice. I think they just don't want it to happen scarf. on their grounds for liability. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> So as a result, almost all entryway access for Liverpool fans was off limits, save for a single entrance at Leppings Lane. I see a common theme. Oh, oh, wow, wow, wow. Is a disaster tenant brewing? Know oh. your exits. Know your exits. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's one. Know your exit. Maybe Something that's one. Something to do with that. Yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 So close to three in the afternoon, the day of the match, a buildup of fans outside the Leppings Lane entrance had developed all eager to gain entrance to the stadium before the game began, which was at three. A bottleneck quickly began to develop as more and more fans showed up. Mm-hmm. Too many to be safely filtered through the entrance before the 3 p.m. kickoff. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, many within the crowd were refused entry due to having tickets for the wrong turnstile. Oh, okay. The ever-growing crowd behind them prevented them from being able to leave, creating further obstructions. Uh-oh. So that's dumb. Like, oh, sorry, mate, wrong gate. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, I'll just turn around and it. no, I won't. I live here now, I guess. No, Yeah, right. Like, what's the exit route? Know your exits. <laughs> know your exits. Know your exits. Yeah. Don't go in if you can't get out. Yes. Maybe that's it too. <laughs> that's part of it. I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the Leppings Lane crowd listened in frustration to the cheering of the fans who had been led into the stadium as the teams took the field. Oh, boy. A request was radioed in by a police constable for a 20-minute game delay in order to aid in the safe admittance of fans. Request denied. Oh, boy. Yeah. It's estimated that about 5,000 fans were gathered outside the stadium when the decision was made by the police to open a large exit gate, that being gate Mm -hmm. C, Okay. Normally used for the free flow of supporters leaving the stadium. Right. So this isn't like, let's see your ticket, whatever. It's just doors open, goodbye, and then people okay. you know, filter out. Yeah, yeah. Exit gates A and B were also open to relieve some of the pressure. The thinking mm-hmm. being that this would lessen the likelihood of fatalities outside the ground. Right. A lot of good intentions going around. Good short-sighted thinking. Bold play, Cotton. Let's see how it plays out. 
Yeah. <laughs> After an initial rush, thousands of supporters entered the stadium steadily at a fast walk. Mm-hmm. From this entryway, a narrow tunnel led to two overcrowded central pens, three and four, mm-hmm. creating pressure at the front. Okay. So these are like fenced-in enclosures, the seats. Okay. Like they're, they're, oh. there's, they're not fenced at the top. Right. But every other part of the perimeter is fenced. Oh, know your exits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Make so sure there is one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Know that there is an exit. Yeah. So there's pressure being created at the front. Yeah. Okay. The more people piled in from the back, the more were being pressed against each other and the fencing at the front. Oof. Yeah. The people entering were just unaware of problems they were cro- they were causing at the front. Right. Uh, normal practices saw police or stewards monitoring the entrance at the tunnel. Yeah. And when it was determined that the central pens had reached capacity, the mm-hmm. incoming fans would be redirected to side pens. Yeah, right. On this occasion, for reasons unexplained to this day, such mm-hmm. was not the case. Oh, boy. So that's a big failure. Ugh. The game kicked off at 3 p.m., and the situation in central pens 3 and 4 worsened very quickly. Yeah. Huh? However... Very few seemed to notice at first, other than a few police at the end of the pitch. Mm-hmm. Liverpool's goalkeeper, Bruce Grobelar, reported fans behind him pleading for his help as the situation worsened. Oh, no. Police at first confused some fans' attempts at escaping the pens as pitch invasion and attempted to stop them. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> like, get back in there, you lout. Can't be that they're trying to get out of this garlic press. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> At about 3.04, a surge in pen three caused one of its metal crush barriers to give way. Mm-hmm. By 3.05, as everything quickly turned to chaos, the match had been stopped. Fans were climbing the fence to escape the crush, while others further back in the pen were being helped to safety by those situated in the stands above. Mm-hmm. A small gate in the fence had been forced open, allowing some fans to escape via this route. Right. More crush barriers gave way due to the surge and holes were being made in the fencing by fans in an effort to save those who were trapped. Oof. Ugh. Nightmare. I know. Like a liter- a living nightmare. Yeah. 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 Forget being trapped underground in a cave. Like this is oh, awful. This is just... God. Because a cave is inanimate and you can predict what it's going to do. Here <laughs> yeah. You're surrounded by human beings just as panicky as you are. Yeah. Oh, God. She's yeah. living hell. Both teams were cleared from the field, ushered into their respective dressing rooms. Mm-hmm. Those who were able to escape congregated on the pitch, yeah. many suffering injuries. Many more was still trapped inside the pen, some of which died of compressive asphyxia whilst still standing there. Oh, Crushed to death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By humans. By other people. And this god-awful fence. Yeah. Police stewards and members of St. John Ambulance were overwhelmed as they attempted to attend to the injured. Hmm. Those fans that were uninjured did their part as well, administering CPR and breaking off bits of wooden advertising hoardings as makeshift stretchers. That's nice. Yeah. A total of 96 people died as a result of injuries. Holy crap. That's a lot. That is a, Uh, yeah, that is a lot higher than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, seriously. 94 of which died on the day, Mm -hmm. two more in hospital. Yeah, right. Later. 766 people were reported to have suffered injuries. 
though less than half required hospital treatment. Seven. Okay. So either you got it bad or, you know. Like almost a thousand people were injured because it's crazy. Know your exits. (laughs) There's two cases right there. (laughs) Yeah, it's coming a pretty uh, solid tenant, I think. Oh, boy. As it turned out, this was not the first such incident at Hillsborough Stadium. (laughs) A crush had occurred in 1981 at the Leppings Lane end of the stadium. Okay. Hundreds more spectators were allowed to enter the stadium than were permitted, resulting in 38 injuries. Mm. Police recommended the club reduce its capacity as they felt fatalities were narrowly avoided. Okay. In response, Sheffield Wednesday chairman Bert McGee remarked, Bollocks, no one would have been killed. That's what talks, I'm <laughs> But that's the quote. It's probably what he sounded like. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds appropriate. Like oh, my God. Bollocks! Uh, nonetheless, <laughs> McGee did make changes to the layout of the pens following the 1981 incident. Uh-huh. These and other later changes invalidated the stadium's safety certificate. Okay, so he made it worse? He made it worse. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not quite what we had in mind. <laughs> yeah. When we said changes, yeah, we meant for the better. The certificate was never renewed and the stadium's capacity was never reduced. Okay. They would not host another FA Cup semifinal until 1987. Mm-hmm. Again, serious overcrowding was an issue with one mm-hmm. pen in the Leppings Lane end being so packed that one fan noted he was unable to raise his hands to clap. Stop going there. Yeah. <laughs> not worth it. <laughs> don't. No. Don't. Watch, watch the TV. Home. Watch it on the you know TV. Yeah. You don't need pants. You need a beer. Go to the fridge. Exactly. Boom. Problem solved. All that to say, this was a long time coming Mm -hmm. and every warning sign was there. And I picked this one not realizing it it was, in fact, the worst disaster in British sporting history, but because I distinctly remember coming to school the day after and hearing all about it. Like it was really, it was just all the talk and uh, specifically uh, some very disturbing images in in the day's paper that just stuck right. with me. Hmm. So, you know, which I got to relive when I did the research on this, but yeah, it's, it's pretty... <laughs> That's it, nice. Yeah, like just the looks on some of these faces is just, oh, Ugh. God, heartbreaking. Oh, man, maybe I'll look those up yeah, and decide whether will. we link to them or not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, at your own discretion, but... Jeez, nightmare. Moving on. Part three. Okay. Roskilde. 2000. Oh, this sounds super familiar. I think you probably heard about this one. Anyway, no, no, go, go. I don't, I'm not going to think about it. I just want to, I want to, I want to experience it. Okay. Here we, let's experience it together. August of 1971, two Danish high school students organized a weekend music festival. They called Mm -hmm. it Sound Festival. Okay. Good name. 25 miles west of Copenhagen in the small farming community of Roskilde, Denmark. The following year, the festival was taken over by the Roskilde Foundation. Mm-hmm. The name was changed to the Roskilde Festival, mm-hmm. and it's since grown to be one of the largest music festivals in Europe. Maybe that's why I know the name. Well, it's it's yeah. a well-known. It's like a Glastonbury or whatever. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if you're into music, you've heard of it. The 30th Roskilde Festival, taking place in the summer of 2000, mm-hmm. featured Nine Inch Nails. Hey. Hey, The Cure. Yep. Lou Reed. Mm-hmm. Iron Maiden, Mm -hmm. Oasis, Mm -hmm. and Pearl Jam, among nearly 200 others that would perform over the course of the seven-day event. Man, Oasis. That's a band I missed seeing. Yeah, I never saw them. It's a bummer. Champagne Supernova. It's a good one. Just, I thought I would say it. thought I'd say it out loud. (laughs) Did you go to see (laughs) Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds? No, I did not. So yeah, Pearl Jam. Yep, solid lineup. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. A lot of good bands in it. Except for Pro Jam. Except for Pro- <laughs> that's, a, that's a me problem. 
I don't like them either. I think they stink. That's good. But yeah, we're going to talk about Pearl Jam. They took the orange stage at 10.30 p.m. Friday, June 30th, following Swedish band Kent. Okay. British group Travis were playing on another stage, and techno mm-hmm. group Underworld, who we know and hey. love, I love Underworld. Yeah. They were set to start performing at one of the festival's uh, electronic music stages. Okay. I'm just setting the scene for you here. So sure. all yeah. seemed fine at first as security did their usual work of pulling kids to safety from the crush of the mosh pit. Surf the front, like, ah, yeah, yeah, pull you out. Yep. It wasn't long before security noticed that they were experiencing more and more difficulty doing so, hmm. needing two staff members to pull someone out where normally one would suffice. Okay. Things continued to worsen as the centrifugal sway of the audience was turning more and more into a crush to the front. Okay. People were getting knocked off balance and down to the hard clay pavement underneath. Uh-oh. Yeah. So it's anything like a festival where there's, you know, dirt or earth yeah. underneath you. It's this sort yeah. of... Ugh. That's like Woodstock 99 on a tarmac. Comes to mind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, 19-year-old Tomas Miller stated that it was tight even before the music started and that half an hour in, it felt like life or death with difficulty breathing and total inability to lift his arms. Jeez. 22-year-old Yannick Ty Moschult mm-hmm. described a collectively aggressive effort mm-hmm. to get as close to the front as possible with people grabbing the shoulders of others and squeezing past. Okay. He stayed up front for five songs before managing to push his way out. I never got that. You show up early, you get near the front, you got a pretty decent area, and there's yeah. always someone who's going to be like, uh, sorry, bro, just trying to get through. It's like, I'm like, I'm also here for this no, show. fuck off. You're, yeah, you're you're good. You're good. Show up a little earlier. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, oh, can, I get, kind of can, a, can, can I just, can I, can I just get through? N- no. N- no? No. I'm here. I'm here now. Yeah. That happened to me <laughs> once. I was at a, it was actually a, t- a Tim and Eric live show. Like it wasn't okay. even a crazy rock show. It was like more of a comedy right. show, but kind of a rock yeah. crowd, I guess. Yeah. And I was there with my wife and, and, and our cousin. Yeah. And this guy and these girls sort of barged their way through and sort of like he separated me from my other two, like yeah. the two ladies. And I was just like, what yeah. the? So I just kind of grabbed his disgusting jacket and pulled it. Like, <laughs> I'm so not aggressive as a person. Yeah, but right. I was just no, like, no, 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 no. And sort of switched <laughs> spots with him. Like, you're here. Yeah. I'm with like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> we're, we're all here for the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Like there and there. It's not much of a yeah. difference in vantage yeah. point. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, so a lot of that going on. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, people pushing in the front. So this dude managed to get out. For others, unfortunately, there was no such option. Uh, Several people Mm -hmm. described standing on what they initially thought were maybe bags or something, Mm -hmm. eventually realized it was a person. Oh, my God. And being completely unable to make room to let them up. Oh, okay. So at about 11.15, 45 minutes into the set, an initiative was enacted to stop the music. Yeah, And after several appeals from frontline security to do just that, yeah. the request eventually traveled up the chain to the head of security and finally to Pearl Jam's tour manager, Dick Adams. Yeah. So toward the end of the song, Daughter, mm-hmm. Adams rushed on stage and had a little powwow with Eddie Vedder. Yeah. Vedder stopped the music and appealed to the crowd to take three huge steps back, yeah. to which they amazingly complied Oh, wow. And so he sort of repeated this request. Like he sort of, he had a very long 
Eddie Vedder-esque way of yeah. asking. <laughs> sure. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So he sort of repeated that procedure a few more times until people yeah. backed off considerably. Yeah. And uh, the pit was relatively cleared. Nice. Security personnel began passing victims over the barrier and into the front stage pit mm-hmm. where, where, you know, where the cameras and all that. Yeah. 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 That's it. That little no man's land. Yeah. Where they were carried backstage for emergency treatment. Okay. The orange stages medical station was quickly overwhelmed by the number of victims and several had to be taken to stations at different stages via moving trucks reserved for equipment. Mm. Eight people died as a result of their injuries that night with a ninth succumbing to injuries in hospital on July 5th. Jeez. The cure who were set to close the orange stage festivities that night did not play music at all other stages continued. Okay. Yeah. So same kind of thing. Like, do you shut the whole festival down? Or yeah. What's the no, protocol? It's, if there's no problems at the other ones. Yeah. And you tell people like, hey, people are getting trampled at other stages. Yeah. You're going to initiate tramples at these stages. Yeah, exactly. You got to go home now because. Tough calls. Also, know your exit. And know your exit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's Stay three that now. stupid mosh pit. <laughs> Pearl Jam issued a statement early the following morning appealing to the family's and friends of the deceased Mm -hmm. and they canceled the final two dates of their European tour that they were on Mm -hmm. Oasis and Pet Shop Boys both opted out of their respective slots at Roskilde Day that same week Mm -hmm. a move which the Roskilde Day management would denounce them for at the time Mm -hmm. but a statement they've since apologized for right that's kind of funny yeah tensions are probably high right at the time well I mean Liam Gallagher of all people like the biggest right bonehead lout yeah. in rock and roll was like how can i go up there and sing live forever when these people have died and like you know what good point yeah that is, yeah fair enough <laughs> where people have literally died the day before yeah no that's fair so yeah no real cause could be determined for the tragedy that occurred well yeah though several theories were in play one being that pearl jam were experiencing sound difficulties and as a result people were trying to get closer so they could hear better oh i see yeah. Or if you've ever been to a concert, everyone always tries to get closer. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like, it's funny, like people died in this crazy mosh pit, like which band, like yeah. the craziest metal band yeah. or hard, no Pearl Jam. Yeah. And it kind of got me thinking like, what's the craziest pit I've ever been in? And it's almost the exact same thing. It wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't Dillinger Escape Plan. It wasn't yeah. blah, blah. It was Alice yeah. in Chains. At the third Lollapalooza, (laughs) where I saw Rage Against the Machine. Nice, nice. When I was just like, screw this, I'm going as close to the front as I can. And it was an outdoor festival concert, like same same deal. Like that's what Lollapalooza was. Fucking brutal. Like I was getting kicked in the head and I'm covered in mud and dirt. Just crushed. Do you think maybe it's like a mosh pit experience kind of thing? Like, I imagine that people that listen to bands like Pearl Jam maybe aren't as experienced in the ways of... Pit etiquette? Pit etiquette, maybe? (laughs) You know what I mean? I think there's definitely something to that. And that was... I mean, that period of time was sort of when Nirvana were Mm -hmm. feeling kind of disillusioned when they were like, what are all these jocks doing at our show? Right. And people would just mosh to anything like between the songs yeah didn't matter like so yeah just wanted to hurt someone just wanted to yeah just get in a brawl and you know yeah fuck shit up so i think there's probably something to that interesting 
it's just also volume, like volume of people. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wrapping up part four, 10 cent beer night. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, isn't this now some, another, uh, right. Fan or possibly a patron had suggested this and I was like, I'm way ahead of you, buddy. (laughs) Oh yeah. 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 yeah, I I I can't remember who it was right now, but, um, might've been, uh, might've been Brad. Yeah. That's it. it. Yeah. So Brad, this one's for you. Okay. During the 1974 Major League Baseball season, Mm -hmm. to say there was no love lost between the Cleveland Indians and the Texas Rangers would be putting it mildly. Okay. The events of a particular Rangers home game on May 29th of that year made this perfectly clear when a series of plays culminated in a fist fight between two players from each team, resulting (laughs) in a classic bench-clearing brawl or base brawl. (laughs) (laughs) We've all seen it on TV. Even after the brawl was broken up, Rangers fans egged things on by pelting members of Cleveland with food and beer. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Cleveland catcher Dave Duncan had to be restrained from stampeding into the crowd to brawl with the fans. Okay. That's pretty amazing. (laughs) I'll fight all of you. So the Rangers ended up winning the game three, nothing. Okay. The two teams were set to rematch a week later on Cleveland's home turf. This is funny me talking about sports. I don't yeah, right. less than shit all about sports. <laughs> like, who is this guy? I know. He right? said, like, oh, we've all we've all seen the bench clearing brawl. And I'm like, I don't <laughs> think I've seen a baseball game. <laughs> I uh, you know, I'm not one for watching sports on TV or, or anything like mm-hmm. that, but I do like sort of sports bloopers for some reason. Yeah. Oh, big so, time. Yeah. I'm into that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll go down some weird YouTube rabbit holes. Oh, for sure. In that regard, yeah. This particular game, the following game, taking place Tuesday, June 4th, Mm -hmm. also happened to coincide with an interesting promotion for the night's festivities, 10 Cent Beer Night. What year? 74. Okay, so 10 cents is still not a lot of money. (laughs) I know, it's not. Yeah. So, so yeah, so basically fans were able to purchase 12 fluid ounces or 355 Mm -hmm. milliliters. Hey. It's like a can of beer. Yeah. Of a low point beer, about 3.2% alcohol. Okay. That's pretty weak, but, you know, strong enough. Sure, yeah, yeah. For just 10 cents each rather than the usual price of 65 cents each. (laughs) So there's the difference. It's pretty cheap. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So a a $6 beer is $1. Yeah, exactly. Okay. A limit of six beers per purchase was enforced if you can call it that per purchase not per, per person so, <laughs> per so only six beers at once yeah yeah yeah. so only oh, as much as you can carry plus two more <laughs> oh my god um but there was no limit on how many purchases one can make throughout the game uh-huh right. okay so you couple that with this grudge match that's brewing up, uh, which Mm -hmm. was also fueled by Rangers manager Billy Martin talking smack about Cleveland fans in the press. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All the variables were set in motion for one hell of an interesting uh, Tuesday evening. I'd say. Uh Uh-huh. So the game drew 25,134 fans, Mm -hmm. twice the number expected. (laughs) There's a distinct possibility that the prospect of extremely affordable drinks drew more people to this particular game rather than the prospect of baseball. I was about to ask if they announced the price ahead of time, and it seems (laughs) they did. Oh, I'm sure they did. And I think (laughs) I remember hearing like the tickets to the actual game were like a buck or something. Oh, for 
So you show up with a fiver, like you're walking home or waking up in a ditch with probably still like two bucks in your pocket. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, with the very generous uh, six beer limit in place, it's safe to say that a good number of the crowd were feeling it mm-hmm. before even the first pitch was thrown out. Mm-hmm. So things began to unravel rather quickly. Amidst the Rangers taking an early five to one lead, Rangers pitcher Ferguson Jenkins was hit in the gut by a line drive, prompting Cleveland fans to basically chant in unison for his blood. Okay. What? So many questions. <laughs> What's a line drive? <laughs> it's like just the pitcher throws the ball, mm-hmm. batter takes a crack at it, and it just goes. Sure. Oh. Like it's not a home run. It's just straight right. out. So it went. Oh, fuck, you know? okay. Ouch. You know? Yeah. Yikes. That's going to hurt. Wow. That's like a ball traveling at probably over 100 miles per hour. So, Oof. And it's not a volleyball. No. It's going to smart. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I know. Again, yeah. Why am I? What am I using these terms for? It's <laughs> saying he got hit by a line drive. I'm like, who the fuck do you think you are? You don't know what I think. <laughs> Just go along with it, Peter. God's sake. <laughs> I don't know. Either. Yeah. A woman, this will make more sense. A woman ran out to Cleveland's on deck circle and flashed her breasts. Oh, okay. I know what that means. A man took up the then popular pastime of streaking. You know what uh-huh. that is? I am aware of streaking. Yes. Yeah. I've never Take all your clothes off and you run around. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. sprinted past second base as Texas player Tom Grieve hit his second home run in the evening. Right. And one inning later, a father and son duo displayed the true spirit of family as they ran out onto the outfield and mooned the fans in the bleachers. (laughs) Some real father-son bonding. Good, good. Uh, Yeah. So this sort of behavior did not let up as the game progressed with more and more fans running onto the field. Texas first baseman Mike Hargrove was pelted with hot dogs, spit, and narrowly missed being pegged off by an empty gallon jug of Thunderbird. Okay. Which is like a, it's like cheapy flavored wine or something, but it's like, it's like throwing a huge glass bottle at somebody. (laughs) All right. (laughs) The providers of the affordable beverages were not faring any better as they were woefully understaffed and not prepared to deal with the increasingly rowdy spectators. I mean, who would have, who would have predicted that? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently there were two girls on staff, at the beer truck, one to pour Mm -hmm. and one to serve and collect money. Okay. So they can't keep up with the demand. Lines are getting longer. People are getting impatient. Drunk. Huh? Drunk Drunk people. people, Exactly. Yeah. Not sober rational people. So it came to a point when somebody decided to flip the table over where they were serving the beer to which both girls responded with bye and ran for their (laughs) lives. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. (laughs) Also, again, this is the Woodstock water fountains all over again. (laughs) You're waiting for the beer that is served on this table. Now Mm -hmm. that you flip the table, there's no (laughs) beer for anyone. (laughs) Or is there? Okay. Well, this left fans to serve themselves. Oh, boy. And serve themselves they did, with some apparently drinking the nectar of the gods straight from the tap. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Back to the game. Mm -hmm. The game was not faring much better. The Rangers argued a call, which saw one of their players forced to leave the game after being spiked by a Cleveland player's cleats. Oof. That's self-explanatory, I think. Yeah, I think I know what a cleat is. Yeah, okay. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I say that like, yeah, I I know what a cleat is, Lee. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the only sport apparel I know. The Cleveland fans 
Not happy with this call, responded by throwing objects onto the field. Mm-hmm. A few of the more spirited fans threw cherry bombs into the Rangers' dugout. Okay. That's like a really big firecracker. It's no joke. Yeah, yeah. Things came to a head in the bottom of the ninth with Cleveland tying things up 5-5 five to five mm-hmm. and a potential win in place with a runner on second. I mm-hmm. love sports. <laughs> 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 However, things took a different turn. Okay. A 19-year-old fan ran onto the field in an attempt to grab Rangers outfielder Jeff Burrell's cap. After a brief confrontation between the two, Rangers manager Billy Martin, who's who was a renowned scrapper, okay. assuming Burrell's was being attacked, charged onto the field with several players in tow, some wielding bats. Oh, boy. At his instruction. <laughs> where, where'd they get bats? <laughs> um, they're just... Are weird people and they have them. Oh, like wooden bats, not the animal. That makes oh, no, sense. they weren't throwing bats. <laughs> <laughs> the inebriated fans responded in turn, charging onto the field with a wide variety of weapons, uh-huh. knives, chains, and makeshift clubs using pieces of the stadium seats, which they had torn apart. Okay, I get the makeshift clubs. Yeah. Uh, chains? A lot of <laughs> people know. bring chains with them. <laughs> Did you have that in your pocket? <laughs> Glad I brought this. <laughs> what the hell? Are you one of the warriors? Others hurled bottles from the stands. Some 200 fans began to surround the 25 Rangers players with more on the way. Hmm. So we got a little, uh, this is Sparta situation cooking up. Here. <laughs> God. <laughs> In an incredible move of solidarity, Cleveland manager Ken Aspromonte ordered his players to grab their own bats <laughs> Baseball bats. Important to specify. It's good to, yeah, differentiate. (laughs) And help out these severely outnumbered Texas Rangers, Mm -hmm. which unfortunately meant attacking their own fans. (laughs) Jesus. At this point, it was fucking on. Sounds like it. Fists were flying. Chairs were flying. (laughs) Everything was flying. Not the bats, though, because... Not the (laughs) bats. Different type of bat. That's right. The two teams managed to punch their way back to the dugout and away from the melee, (laughs) closing and locking the doors behind them. The rioting continued for about 20 minutes before the Cleveland police showed up, eventually restoring Mm -hmm. order and arresting nine fans in the process. Mm -hmm. After all was said and done, the bases from the field were literally stolen. (laughs) And umpire crew chief Nestor Chilak forfeited the game to the Rangers, which turns out I discovered through my research i didn't know this a forfeited game in the mlb is extremely rare there's been like five okay. since 1970 oh wow chilak he himself struck in the head with a piece of stadium seating and in the hand by a thrown rock mm-hmm. remarked that the fans were uncontrollable beasts mm-hmm. and that he'd never seen anything like that except in a zoo okay american league president lee mcphail that's what I call myself sometimes. <laughs> oh, nice. I like All it. Right. Uh, he commented, there was no question that beer played a part in the riot. <laughs> he later changed his name to, oh, really? No shit, Sherlock. <laughs> and, <then laughs> and that's, that's 10 cent beer night. Those are four terrible nights oh my in uh, God. spectator history that name's gonna cause him some problems at the dmv i think yeah i think so but he'd sort of made his bed at that point <laughs> that statement made his bed and then shit in it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. wow 
Yeah. Those were some tragedies. Those were indeed. We kind of ended on a high note. Or not high note, uh, sorry, a lighter note. Well, I do feel like the, uh, yeah, there's a new tenant now in our disaster tenants. I'm going to have to write them down Definitely. in one place. But uh, know your exits is oh, one of them. Because I feel like all of these could have been solved by knowing your exit. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good one. Know your exit and don't sell beer for a sixth of the price. It's <laughs> <laughs> another good, it's awfully specific. But So you got music for those? Yeah, I got music for that. So oh. um, it's a band. And actually this album also I used on my um, coronavirus playlist. Hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's a great, it's it's uh, the Dead Kennedys and the album is Plastic Surgery Disasters. Nice. Came out in 1982. Uh, it's a fantastic album. And I just went mm. with the song Riot. Appropriate. Very appropriate. It's a fun little description of a riot. Yeah. It's the Jello Biafra with the end, with the end uh, saying this one line over and over again at the end, like, tomorrow you're homeless. Tonight it's a blast. Tomorrow you're homeless. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah, that's the mentality I imagine of everyone yeah. in that stadium. Yeah, exactly. Oh, we're having fun right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah oh, it's God. Tomorrow. Anyway, yeah. That's uh, wow, sweet. That well, that was awesome. Thanks, Lee. Thanks for those four terrible evenings. Well, thank you. <laughs> so, thanks for tuning in. That was a tragedy Tuesday. Our mini disasters about disasters that clearly aren't mini. <laughs> <laughs> if you're wondering what the best thing to do to help us out is, it's not start a riot. Don't do that. Yeah. And don't trample anyone at a music festival either. No, don't. What you can do is tell someone to listen to our show. That is super helpful. The next best thing you can do, if you're not already, subscribe and leave a review or a rating wherever you listen. Those are very helpful in helping us uh, get seen by other people that might not know about our show. Uh, If you want to follow us on social medias and keep up with what we're doing at This Disaster Pod, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Also our website, www.thisdisasterpod.com and our patreon.com slash thisdisasterpod. And like I said, our t-shirt, or I don't know if I mentioned this, but our t-shirt pre-order is closed now. And if you missed out, uh, I think we might do one somewhere down the line. But uh, if you pre-ordered a t-shirt, shirt those are in production now and you should be they should be shipping out soon so get ready to have a disaster on your shirt (laughs) (laughs) although when i say that i just picture like nachos sounds like a chili dog or something (laughs) yeah exactly exactly (laughs) i had a disaster on my shirt uh yeah so that i think that's pretty much all i had to say and uh i guess join us for our next major disaster indeed bye bye bye